Welcome to a very special media uh, condition of River City of Media, also the Marion Messenger. I forgot what channel I was on, David. I almost, have you ever done that? You forget which channel you're on? And oh, yeah. We could, we could do a whole show on my mistakes. <laughs> well, welcome to a very special edition of River City Media here on the Marion Messenger. Our special guest, Mr. David Carroll. Very, very welcome to have you, sir. Uh, pleasure to, to actually meet you video-wise. Yeah, I hope to meet you in person someday. Sure. I, I love the concept of the book. Let's get straight into it. Sure. 34 years sitting at the anchor desk. Mm -hmm. Was this book an offshoot of what you do for a living? I guess it was. Um, I started writing books, um, I guess, about 10 years ago. I did one called Chattanooga Radio and Television, which was a pictorial history of local broadcasting. And from that, uh, going around uh, promoting the books to different clubs and groups, I decided to write a column every week, which is in several newspapers, including over in Marion County. And uh, so since, I guess, the first book, every five years, I've come out with a new book. And this one is by far the biggest one. But it, uh, I think it blends my love of history with um, entertainment and politics because the book is the first, to my knowledge, to be written uh, that has a detailed listing and stories about the famous people who visited not just Chattanooga, but the surrounding area. And so that was, that was um, something I guess I never planned for. This book was originally supposed to be a history of Memorial Auditorium was the Right. I guess that got planted. And once I started doing the auditorium, I started picking up little facts about the Tivoli and Lake Winnie and Riverbend and presidents who visited and all that. And I just decided I, I you know, every time I came to um, a different junction, I couldn't stop. It was like, well, I've got to include athletes and I've got to include military figures and I've got to include presidents, movies, movie stars, movies that were filmed here. And it became much bigger than I really intended, but I'm very happy with the result. So was there things that you had heard of prior to entering the news business that you discovered maybe was some truth? I've always heard of a James Brown visit during a riot. Was there mm -hmm. something that just in the entertainment field that caught you by surprise? Yeah, a lot of things by surprise. I don't know for sure about James Brown being here during a riot. I can tell you he was here a lot. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s, he um, was here at least once a year, sometimes more. Um, probably the, the ones that stand out as far as things that I just didn't know, and many of it happened, of course, before my time, because we're going back to 1900 to the present day. But I didn't know that uh, Frank Sinatra appeared on the stage really? of the Memorial Auditorium long before he was famous. He was about 23 years old. Nobody knew who he was. Uh, I didn't know that so many superstar baseball players played on the field at Ingle Stadium in Chattanooga. A lot of people know the story of how uh, this young lady named Jackie Mitchell struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in 1931 at Ingle Stadium during an exhibition game. And, you know, there's a we don't know how much of that is truth, how much of that is legend. I mean, she did strike them out. Did they strike out swinging? Did they strike out intentionally? I don't know. But it became a great story. But I didn't know how many other 
superstar baseball players from every major team of the 30s, 40s, and 50s stopped at Ingle Stadium on their way back from spring training in Florida. There were no major league teams on the West Coast at that time, and everybody trained in Florida. And Chattanooga, of course, was a major hub, a railroad stop between Florida and anywhere points north. So every year around the 1st of April, the all the major league teams, all of them you can name, Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, the whole the Cubs, they all played at Ingle Stadium. So you name a baseball player of that era, DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Duke Snyder, they all played in Chattanooga. And I did not know that until I did the research for this book. So that's the that was the most um, outstanding thing to me was how did you do the research for this book? It seems you you kind of you got to go to some sources outside the beat, beaten path. Yeah, it was um, it was quite a quite a job. I I think I went into it thinking it was easier than it was, and then it's kind of like that old '70s song, you know. Once you get to a certain point, it's too late to turn back now. And I couldn't turn back or stop halfway or seventy percent. The very first endeavor that I went out on like this was uh, documenting all the shows that played the UTC arena. I did that for my website six or seven years ago, and it was very easy. Somebody had—I think there were some arguments online about you know when was Aerosmith there or who opened for Def Leppard or something—and nobody knew, or everybody was coming up with different ideas. So I contacted the. Um, former manager of the arena. And I just said, is there any record? And he's emailed me this spreadsheet covering 30 years within five minutes. It was like that. And I cut and pasted and put it on my website and everybody's going, yay, David, you're an amazing person. And whenever I get praise for doing something that, you know, didn't require any work, that's pretty cool. And um, I thought they would all be that easy. And none of them were. With Memorial Auditorium, there were First off, it took a few years to find them, but there were about eight thick ledgers that had handwritten records of all the shows that played the auditorium in Tivoli from the 1920s. However, there were a lot of gaps. A couple of books were lost, or perhaps there was a change in personnel at some point, and some people didn't record certain shows. So um, those records were incomplete. A lot of the other venues didn't really keep good records. Lake Winnie was one of them, just that they'd have some, miss some. Um, so in many cases, I had to go to newspaper archives. In other cases, I went to either promoters or families of promoters to see if they had, say, for instance, if a promoter who was uh, very active in the 60s booking shows, if they had passed on since then, sometimes their families you know, would find their records and send them to me. So it was a variety of sources, but it was hard. And probably looking through newspaper records was the most um, time consuming and uh, it certainly you know, wear out my eyes from time to time because there, there would be a record uh, in the Memorial Auditorium ledger that might say, you know, January 15th, 1965, WDOD Shower of Country Stars. Well, who's, who was there? You know, I, right. for a long time, I did not know and there was no way to find out. So that's when you have to go to newspaper archives day to day to see the ads or the reviews, stories written about it. And uh, finally, I was able to piece all those together and name all the names of all the shows. So it, it was it was a chore, but uh, I'm glad I glad I went through it. So we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss the venues in Chattanooga and how 
you know, I, I love the history of this city. It's one of my passions too, but we have such an eclectic group of venues from the Tivoli to the Memorial Auditorium, even the UTC arena, especially when it opened, really brought in national acts. Do you think all this great, wonderful selection of venues gets everybody on their way up, on their way down? We get them, we get them all at some point. Most of them, you know, we never got the Beatles. We never got the Stones. Uh, you know, there were some big superstar acts, ABBA, you know, different, different people who were world dominating acts at their peak uh, mm. did not play here. The Bee Gees, for example, we got uh, once back in the 60s when they were pretty well known. Right. And twice, I think, in the 70s, just before they hit it big with Saturday Night Fever. I mean, the Bee Gees were always a big act, but after Saturday Night Fever, of course, they were monstrous. We, we never got Elvis on a stage here. He actually passed through and spent the night here a couple of times, but uh, never got him on stage. It, it varies from decade to decade. Um, for instance, if you go back to the earliest parts of um, the book in the early 1900s and when the auditorium and Tivoli were built, both in the 1920s, we had a run there of about a decade when we got pretty much anybody we wanted because those theaters were new, they were a good size. And again, Chattanooga being a railroad hub at that time, we were fortunate enough to get people, frankly, who were on their way to and from somewhere else. And hey, let's stop and make some money in Chattanooga while we can. Things started slowing down around the 1950s when television came along. And that was not just here, it was uh, nationwide. A lot of people were fascinated by that new box in their living room. And, you know, rightfully said, you know, why should I pay? Uh, $25, not $25, why should I pay $5, $10 to see Doris Day when she's right there on my free television? So during that period, things like gospel music, roller derby, and professional wrestling kept the auditorium open. There were people in town who wanted to shut it down. They felt it had outlived its usefulness. The Tivoli largely served at that time as um, a showcase for the arts, for our local opera, symphony guild, uh, school groups, that sort of thing. And uh, then in the 60s, it shut down live performances to become a movie theater. Meanwhile, the auditorium had a bit of a revival in the 60s. And that's when we get into the period you're talking about, where the multi-act shows like the Jet Fly Spectaculars and the Country Station Shindigs would bring in you know, a stage full of top 40 current hits artists or Grand Ole Opry artists from Nashville. And then when the arena came along in the 80s, it was a little bit of ahead of its time for this yes. region with 11,000 seats. And suddenly we could bring in the acts like Van Halen, Kenny Rogers, and others that had sort of outgrown the 4,000 seat auditorium. Sadly, we move into the current era where some of the cities around us have uh, kind of outbuilt us when it comes to a large arena. When you go to the Phillips Arena in uh, Atlanta or you go to the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, you know, those places were built largely for concerts where the arena is obviously a basketball facility. And they built, say, with 16, 17,000 fans in mind. So if a superstar group wants to come to the our region now, they bypass us and go to Atlanta, Nashville, Murfreesboro, uh, places with newer and more artist-friendly venues. So we've gone through a lot of changes in the decades, but 
other than a few of those major superstar acts that I mentioned, most of the big ones have played here, and especially in country music. Our proximity to Nashville, pretty much anybody who's ever had a top five country hit has played here either on the way up or while they're at the top or on the way down. Yeah, I, I'm a big rock guy, hmm. and I was privileged to see um, Cliff Burton of Metallica prior to his passing, which is, in my world, a a great honor. So it's something uh, the arena when it first opened up was a Mecca for rock and roll in this area. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes um, the festival seating also have hurt some of the arena acts, but that's Absolutely. for another time. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that probably the, the, one of the, one of the things that hurt the arena as years went by was that uh, many acts that are very meticulous about sound uh, yes. played there once and never came back. In, in many cases, uh, you know, artists who were doing acoustic shows or, you know, more, um, how do I put this? Uh, you know, I, I guess songs that require some intimacy didn't like the acoustics and the echoes and frankly, the chatter among the crowd that could be heard. It was just, uh, it is a good place for a rock show. It's a good place for, you know, uh, monster trucks and wrestling and game shows and things like that. But it just wasn't quite built as a good concert place uh, for certain shows. And that, that, that hurt in some ways. And that's the reason that Tivoli, with its intimate setting, its great acoustic, to hear an acoustic set in the Tivoli is a pleasure unto itself to me. A couple of uh, guitar singer songwriter shows. I have seen it's been absolutely a venue that blew me away. So I could talk music all day. It's it's passion of mine. But you said politics. And in my head, I knew of two presidents that had visited Chattanooga. I went to my favorite thing, Google, put in presidential visits, Chattanooga. I was outstanding. I was like, I think I came up with 20 or so. And yeah, 27. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us about one that m might be a little off the beaten path. Um, I'm like you. I mean, I, I had heard, and of course, you know, lived through several who've, who've come here in my lifetime. And when I started doing the research on how many presidents had come here, I decided not to limit it to people who came here during their presidency. I also wanted to cover people who came here before they were president, people who came here after they were president. So when you include all those, it's 27 and counting, and that's right up to Biden. Now, Biden has not been here during his presidency, but for instance, uh, until I did the book, I didn't realize that his first visit here was about 45 years ago. He was a 33-year-old uh, first-term senator from Delaware, and he spoke to the downtown Rotary Club. So this goes back to about oh, the late 70s, somewhere in that range. Uh, and he was here in 2015 after the uh, terrorist attack on our servicemen here. Um, pretty much every president of, um, say, the last 50 years has visited here, except Bill Clinton. Don't know why. Just didn't quite. We didn't quite make his uh, itinerary. But, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter has been here a ton of times. Richard Nixon was here when he was quite young, back in the 50s, before he became president, and then as he was campaigning a couple of times. FDR was here to dedicate the Chickamauga Dam in 1940. And, um, you know, that was another one of those situations where his 
disabilities were largely hidden from the public because he pretty much spoke from his car and and was a you know I, I suppose got some assistance in speaking or standing you know from his car and speaking to the crowd um and there were a lot of a lot, lot of several that were hard to track down for, and some that were impossible to track down like i kept hearing that harry truman stopped here often on his way back from vacations going back to his home state of missouri and I can't confirm that. I, I called the Presidential Museum for Harry Truman, and um, they, they said if he ever was in Chattanooga, they don't know it. He may have stopped to fill up with gas or may have stopped to you know grab something at the store. We'll never know. So some things couldn't be confirmed. But uh, Teddy Roosevelt was here a number of times back around the turn of the century, both before, during, and uh, I should say before, during, and after his presidency, and quite a few in the 1800s, uh, some who came here when they were president, others who were serving in the military. Dwight Eisenhower was never here during his term as president, but he was here when he was a soldier many, many years before his presidency. So 27 in all, and you know, considering that uh, we're here in the deep South and we're not Nashville, not Atlanta, that's, that's a pretty good number. Is there, um, the, the rumor has always been, when I guess this history book says that Ulysses S. Grant took control of the of the Union Army here. If, were you able to confirm that or have you heard that before? I, off the top of my head, I can't tell you. I know he was here and I think there's even a picture. Um, I can't remember the exact event or what he may have had command of at the time. I'd have to look at the book and I don't have one with me right now. <laughs> but he was here for what sure. Are, one of the most, I guess the one that sticks in my head was Ronald Reagan's visit to the graduation ceremony of multiple high schools. Mm -hmm. That was a little bit of a unique event in itself. Yeah, he was here in May of 1987, UTC Arena. And uh, Tom Griscom was one of his uh, top advisors at that time. And Tom is a Chattanooga native and current resident who helped me a lot with that part of the story. And I don't remember exactly how it came to be that he spoke to all the Hamilton County graduating classes. But that was a cool event. And, you know, everybody in that class of 87 can say something about their graduation that the rest of us can't say. You know, who spoke at your graduation? Well, you know, this guy, that guy. Who spoke at yours? Oh, President Reagan. Um, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to say. And, and it was a special event. Around that time, most of the TV stations like my own had uh, live units, live uh, truck broadcasting capability. So we were able to carry it live and and everybody could attend, you know, by watching TV. I, I remember one of the little side notes to that story for, I, I believe Tom Griscom had told him that uh, while he's in Chattanooga, he should eat some crystal cheeseburgers. And so crystal made it a point to, you know, heat up and cook some crystal cheeseburgers and pack them very securely and sent them back to Washington with the president on air force one. So I guess that was his uh, in-flight meal on the way back. That is an excellent story. Uh, before we move on to movies and TVs, I did have one other question. Are we the only city to hold an NFL Hall of Fame induction that I know of? Terrell Owens a couple of years ago. I believe that might have been a one-of-a-kind situation. May have been. and I, I probably read something about that at the time. Uh, that event is in the book. I don't know that I said it was the only one ever held, you know, in a hometown. And, you know, it was uh, unusual. And I don't know that it was ideal. I think Terrell Owens did that as kind of his own 
little personal statement or protest as it may be. Right. Nice event. You know, I mean, they did it upright and did it at the arena. Um, so I can't say for sure that we're the only one, but I'd say there can't be many others. So let's move on to movies and TVs that's been filmed here. The two that I naturally go to is I'm a huge fan of 42. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just the age that I grew up with a crush on Christy McNichol, mm-hmm. like everybody my age did. So the, the filming of the nights, the lights went out in Georgia here locally was near and dear to my heart. Have there been other films that's been filmed here? I think um, if I'm, if my count is correct, it was around 15 in all. And, and a lot of this dates back, I think maybe to the forties, there was one filmed uh, in the Fort Oglethorpe area in the fifties. There was a Disney movie filmed near Baylor school uh, with Fess Parker Walt Disney actually came to Chattanooga to, um, I guess, kind of oversee the filming one day and thought he was doing it secretly. And I guess word got out somehow and a reporter met him as soon as he got off the plane. And Walt Disney was like, uh, how did you know I was coming? And, you know, the reporter's like, well, I'm a reporter. I have sources. But supposedly Walt Disney was not thrilled that he was getting some attention here. Uh, so, yeah, dating back to the 40s, it adds up to about 15 um, you know, that's not an extraordinary number considering our scenery. And I think at various times over the years, we have um, promoted and recruited better than we have others. And some states, Georgia in particular, seem to have made it more attractive for people to come film with tax breaks and such. And maybe they've been more aggressive at um, landing some Hollywood films. But we've had some good ones made here. Of course, I, I'm like you. I, it's hard to beat 42. We've had some music videos shot here at Ingle Stadium, on the Walnut Street Bridge, uh, various other locations. Tim McGraw shot one, uh, oh, not that long ago, uh, truck, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we tried to document all those, too, and as far as I know, we've got them all in the book. And, and of course, Alabama, our friends from Fort Payne shot at uh, Ingle Stadium at yep. one point. The book available at your website, chadniggerradiotv.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I was my eye was caught by another book on there, Volunteer Bulldog Todd. Volunteer Bama Dog. Bama yeah, Dog. That, that's the one I wrote five years ago, and it's primarily a collection of the columns that people have liked over the years in the newspapers. And the title, uh, some, uh, and I guess this is my fault. Some people feel like or think maybe it's about sports, and there are some sports you know stories in there. But the title actually comes from that spot near Nickajack that you can stand in Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee at the same yeah. time. A lot of people aren't aware of that. And uh, I wrote a column about it and then included it in the book and have given directions either personally or via the column and book dozens of times over the years. Sometimes I wish I'd set up a concession stand there. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a nice. It's only about 10 minutes as the crow flies from where I grew up. And yet it was an, only about six years ago that I actually stepped foot there for the first time and found the marker and stood there. And, and that's what inspired me to write that is just, um, you know, I love all these three states and grew up in Alabama, worked in Tennessee now for decades and have made that, you know, trip between the two, stopping in Georgia a zillion times. And I love something about all three states, and I'm very proud of these three states. And it's just a really cool feeling to stand on that spot and uh, get that little rush of being a volunteer Bama dog. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Did you um, 
like my friend Duke Ralston, who actually set this up for me, which I'm indebted to. He he has a show called Tennessee Tennessee Macabre that's mm-hmm. on Outer Worlds TV, and and to me it is a love message to Doctor Shock in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Were there any inclusion of such original? local programming into the book in this book not as much now in my first book chattanooga radio and television all the greats are pictured and and highlighted and featured and their stories are told from luther who's just the the all-time gold standard to miss marcia dr shock bob brandy earl friedenberg tommy jett i mean all of them are featured in that book and there were stories about some of them in my second book the columns of volunteer bamadog Probably more of a highlight in this one, you know, I didn't want to just include famous people who had visited here. I thought it was also important to include people who grew up here, who became famous, still live here or visit here. You know, everybody from Bessie Smith, whom uh, the Bessie Smith Hall is named, all the way through um, Hugh Beaumont, who played uh, Ward Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver back in the 50s. He attended school here. Dennis Haskins. Yeah. Dennis Haskins, who uh, went to Notre Dame and became famous on Saved by the Bell, used to visit here quite often. Kane Brown, Lauren Elena, you know, these current stars who grew up here and have now become worldwide music superstars. Usher, you know, the list goes on and on. We, we have, you know, raised and nurtured a pretty good hometown crew. Leslie Jordan, who's on all these TV shows. I'm, I'm leaving people out, I know. But I thought it was important to include them. And, of course, Alabama. There's a whole story about them, too, because uh, they're they're nearby. Danny Shirley with Confederate Railroad. So uh, I wanted to be sure and include the, the locals who might now be considered visitors, but who are really right. hometown folks. One last question. Thank you for your time. This has been... I could talk for hours and uh, I do uh, I do appreciate appreciate your time. I, when I was on the website uh, looking for options to order the book, mm-hmm. you had a couple of different options and you seem to really personalize the book. Mm-hmm. Was that a goal of yours when you release your books or? You know, I'll say this and I, I don't mean to sound um conceited or anything because I'm not. Here's the thing. Every time I've ever bought a book, I, I go to a bookstore, get a book, and I'm pleased with it. What I learned with the first book, and this is very flattering to me, I'm very honored about this. It surprised me how many people wanted a book signed by me. I'm very grateful for that. And uh, it's hard to do that when you buy a book from Amazon or when you buy a book yeah. in a bookstore. And I'm grateful for people who do, don't get me wrong. But for those people who value a signature by the author, I'm totally grateful for that. It's an honor. And the easiest way for me to do that now, especially with COVID going on and sort of public gatherings limited somewhat, is to do it online. So, yes, I have made it uh, on ChattanoogaRadioTV.com where you can buy any of those books and uh, pay the regular price, obviously, plus shipping. And if you, where it says autograph instructions, you know, if you say to my best friend, Randall, or to Merry Christmas from Joe or whatever, I'm glad to sign that. Uh, so I'm very grateful. And to be honest, that's not something that I intended in the beginning. But uh, when I learned that that's how people like to buy the books, 
I'm happy to oblige. That was uh, something that struck me. I mean, because I do enjoy having uh, a signed author's copy. Uh, I was going to wait till the interview was over so that you could just sign it to the thanks for the interview or to my best friend, Randall works yeah. too, you know, we're best friends now. Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. But that's a, that's a nice touch to be able to do. And, uh, and frankly, the, the website and the internet has made it easier to pay than it was even 10 years ago with, you know, PayPal and credit cards and everything accepted on the website. But I like to sell them in person too. And, and when, when possible, uh, I love to go to clubs and churches and events and see people one-on-one, -on -one, show them the book. I love to see their reaction to seeing it. Everybody seems to be blown away by it because it's so big and there's so many pictures. So hopefully, um, you know, I, I, and, and in Marion County, hopefully we can set something up someday to come do that. And it seems like this was a true labor of love for you. And it's a great history documentation for the city and uh, a great, um, I, I use your website about the UTC arena all the time. I was the guy that gave you a bunch of credit because me and my friends would debate when we saw the bands and we're like, here, there's the date. There it there's is. The day. Well, and uh, it was a labor of love. I've told my wife many times as she has stared at the back of my head here, back of my head at this computer while I've worked on it for four years. Uh, she asked me one day, you know, is this really worth all the trouble? Do people care about all this stuff? And I said, you know, I don't know. I won't know until the book comes out. But I've got to do it. I've got to finish it. I want to do it right. I want it to be something people can keep for decades long after I'm gone. I want somebody to be able to pick up that book and be thankful that there's a listing of, you know, that Harry Houdini, the magician, played Memorial Auditorium or whatever the case may be. So it, um, I, I long ago gave up on the concept that I would recoup my money and time on this book. That's not going to happen. Four years of Trust me on this. You will not get rich spending four years writing a book, but I consider it um, a gift in the sense that uh, nobody else was doing this. I don't know if anybody else would take four years to do it. If they did, God bless them. But I did it and I'm proud of it. And uh, it gives me great joy to see people enjoy it. I am uh, going to be thrilled to get a copy in my hand. And forward um, to your reaction. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for sharing it with us. Is there anything you would like to say where to get it or any other options? Uh, ChattanoogaRadioTV.com is to get an autographed copy, as we talked about. It is available on Amazon. It is available, if not now, very soon in the major bookstores. Um, so it, it's, it's just like a, a real published book. It's out there for people to buy however they choose to do so. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for the timing. I've heard many people say that they are, uh, buying it, buy one for themselves, buying two or three more for Christmas presents. And I hope that people who unwrap it for Christmas will look at it and be happy. I hope it's not one of those books where people unwrap it and say, oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I want them to say, thank you for buying this. So I hope it's something brings joy to people. It is a unique piece of Chattanooga history and that's the one thing that struck me and uh, you are a treasure to Chattanooga I enjoy your nightly broadcast and 34 years at the anchor death you I don't know if you've ever went around the south but you've got to be somewhere in that top 10 uh, there aren't many so yeah it's it's uh, it's an honor I work for a great company channel 3 WRCB 
wow. I mean, you know, I just hit the lottery. What can I say? I, I work for um, a, a wonderful company that has treated me well, and I wish everybody could say that. I'm very fortunate. Thank you very much for your time. Everybody get a copy of the book. Mr. David Carroll, thank you very much. Thank you, Randall. Thank you.